What are you drinking there, Big Ray? You look like this some kind of a power shake or something there, man. Uh, no, no, no. This is it's one like of those something uh, bubbly. This is one of those uh, flavored waters where they don't put any sugar in it. You know. <laughs> like a Mike's Hard Lemonade without the sugar? <laughs> <laughs> no, but the cans always look so tasty. And then you, you open them up, but there's no sugar in it. So it's never, it's about 20% as good as you think it's going to be. Wow, it must be, uh, it's after, is this, is this like a New Year's resolution or something going on here? <laughs> no, no, not at all. More like a uh, budget situation. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm not going to ask any questions. I know. I know you're hustling. I know you're hustling <laughs> with, with multiple incomes. So, uh, listen, Big Ray, man. Welcome back, everybody. This is Hard Times on Film. My name is Nick. My name's Ray. And uh, today we're uh, we're this is an uns- this is like just a very it's deeply ceremonious moment here where we're delving into uh, the you know what Bronson's most known for and uh, his his Paul Kersey character. But we're not starting at one. We're starting no. at we're starting at three. We're starting at three. It's one of the big ones, though. You got to yeah. know it's one of the big ones. This is one of the ones that I think people are going to be happy to see. They like to talk about it. They like to hear other people talk about it. Yeah, Death <laughs> Wish Three, man. We like to talk about it. We, Absolutely. We've, we've discussed this movie just uh, before we had a podcast. This was, uh, you know, uh, me and Big Ray would get together. We talk about Death Wish Three. Among, Absolutely. You know, among yeah. other Bronson movies, <laughs> we uh, we we talk we talked for a while about how to. You know, we're coming up near the end of season two, probably, and we hadn't hit a single Death Wish, and we were wondering, you know these are some heavy hitters in Bronson's catalog and how are we going to tackle them? Do we do all five in a row? Do we go five to one? Do we uh, like, what do we do one a season? We didn't know what to do. We're jumping in. You, you pulled the, uh, you pulled the pin on this one. You, yeah. You I thought picked... I'd surprise you because we didn't, we yeah. never talk about it, you know, and uh, I didn't think you'd see this one coming. And it seemed no. to me when I, when I introduced the idea of doing death Wish three, you look, you look surprised. eh? Yeah, yeah, but pleasantly so. <laughs> yeah, I've watched it now three times in the last couple of weeks, and I'm feeling ready to talk about it, Big Ray. Yeah, me too, me too. So let's, uh, let's without get... further ado, man, yeah, let's get right down to it. So the third of five Death Wish movies, Death Wish 3, was filmed in early summer of 1985, released in November of the same year. A breakneck production schedule helmed by uh, returning director Michael Winner and paid for by the Canon Group. Death Wish cost $10 million to make and grossed over $16 million at the box office. Filming included three weeks in New York and seven weeks in London, England, where the New York street set was uh, recreated at a deserted hospital site. But that was quite interesting. Uh, this movie was uh, the sixth and final movie that Bronson made with Winner. The others included Chato's Land, The Mechanic, The Stone Killer, and uh, the first two Death Wish movies, obviously. Uh, Bronson was 64 years old when this film was made. His wife, Jill Ireland, had just gone through a long stretch of cancer treatment. And as a result, this was uh, the only film he made in 1985. Death Wish 3 comes uh, one year after The Evil That Men Do and one year before Murphy's Law. He earned $1.5 million for his efforts. And in spite of the difficulties he'd been facing with Jill Ireland's uh, illness and recovery, he looks fit. He looks handsome. And uh, he's more than capable throughout this film, Big Ray. So, Yeah. Oh yeah, he looks. He earns every penny of that million five. That's for sure. Yeah, and ten million bucks. You know, that's nothing to sneeze at. In fact, if you look at that no. in the context of some of the other movies we've been talking about over the last while, it's quite a bit 
of a bigger budget than uh, what we're used to. It is. Yeah. yeah. It's on display though. Like we're going to talk about the action and they, uh, they <laughs> might've spent about uh, 60% of that on explosions yeah. alone. I think. They might've spent about 50% of it just on uh, Bennett's shop exploding. <laughs> Explosive <laughs> five times. It's incredible. <laughs> so big Ray, man, I'm, uh, I'm, I tried to tackle this one, the film in 60 seconds yeah. here. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. I've been looking forward to this. Uh, it's going to be tough. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've practiced it and I can't get it below 70 seconds. So I'm going to, I'm going to do my best, but you know, I want to do justice to a great film. So I'm going to give it a shot. You just tell me when, and I'm going to try to go, go quick. You may folks, you may want to listen to this twice. Cause I'm going to be going so fast. I'll be talking like an auctioneer basically. So you may, you may not get all the points. <laughs> all right. Ready, <laughs> steady, go. Aging legendary American vigilante, Paul Kersey played by Charles Bronson rolls into New York city on a passenger bus, the mid eighties and the big apple is rotting from the core with sociopaths, hoodlums and violent drug addled young adults from a mosaic of ethnocultural and socioeconomic backgrounds. Kersey arrives into town to find an old friend of his seconds away from death after a brutal home invasion. The cops arrive, arrest Kersey under suspicion of murder, torture him a little bit for fun, and throw him into a hellish jail cell with a football team's worth of maniacs and killers. While in the holding cell, he manages to get into a fistfight with a fresh-faced reverse Mohawk gang leader named Frecker. He attracts the romantic attention of a public defender half his age, and he is recognized by the local police captain, who is a longtime fan of Kersey's vigilanteism. The captain sets Kersey loose to help him move the needle on a number of key crime indicators, and Kersey heads back to his dead friend's apartment to set up shop and start cracking down. Two rape scenes, several vigilante murders, the arrival of a mail-order handgun with the stopping power of an elephant gun, some incredible explosions and a massive gang war later bronson squares off one last time with fraker he finishes the job of the rocket launcher at close range fraker and his criminal associates are either dead or on the run and kersey walks off into the sunset leaving the neighborhood in a bullet-ridden bombed out state of newfound peace the end <laughs> oh man it, you're right that was that was about 72 seconds but dude again that was also worth a million five that was good that was good Thanks. i loved it yeah Yes, it's pretty yeah. fun to, pretty fun to write about that one i was laughing yeah. out loud like yeah there are yeah. a few moments there that you've just got to pause and and uh describe in all their glory you can't just whiz <laughs> by them yeah you see i love that the captain sets them loose to help them move the needle on some on some key indicators are you setting me loose <laughs> i'm setting you loose <laughs> absolutely yeah. and yeah the boss the, at the beginning that so let's talk oh, about yeah. his entrance okay. this is a, okay, this okay. is an incredible moment i gotta admit it, I, I had forgotten about it but it's great it, yeah it really is the the opening of of this film um it's a different kind of entrance right like he's he's basically riding the bus he's riding the bus into new york city but just the way it's shot he's, he's not given any dialogue oh yeah he he's just sitting there and we get this great profile of him through the window and he's His just hair uh, is all feathered oh yeah he looks he looks amazing and it really is an opening that that gives so much promise for the movie like you see this opening and even the way the credits are like his name flashes next to his face and just the font and everything and the way they roll the credits out and the tunes you're just like this is going to be amazing yeah the bus is a, a big red bus it's called you know yeah i really i really there's i mean there's not much to the opening in terms of action or content in the movie but just just aesthetically it just nails it and just a couple of scenes too. Eh? It's not like they dwell on Bronson. Just a couple of clips of him, his profile, yes. and he just looks hard. He looks yeah. determined. You know, he's on the bus. <laughs> yeah, 
who's sitting yeah. beside him? I hope you yeah. give him a couple couple of chairs to himself because he doesn't look like he wants much company. Why is he riding the bus? Anyways, I, I never thought of that. Just... He could pay for a Cadillac with cash, but he's yeah. riding the bus into New York City. He can order endless, just military, like just endless armaments through the mail. I guess he's paying with his credit card, he's, but he doesn't have a car. I think he's, I think he's just, you know, prioritizing. He's putting his money where it's needed. Yeah, you know? absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, I wanted to send another shout out here too. Um, Ed Lauder's entrance is great. Just the angles yes. and the cinematography. It looks so cool when he first appears. And they then, really announce him. Yeah, 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 he's uh yeah, it's definitely like um I don't know if it's just because of his his previous role in Death Hunt or something, but they really maybe maybe it's just because he's got high billing because he was he was a star at that point. But I yeah, also they loved, show his uh, shoes and then they like yeah. everyone looks up to the captain and then they reveal it's Ed Lauder. <laughs> That's incredible. And you're like, whoa, it's Ed Lauder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was his name in Death Hunt? It was Hazel. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's Hazel, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's back. <laughs> totally. Together again. I also love uh, the intro there when, when uh, you first see Fracker. Like, he looks super yeah. cool and terrifying. Like, he looks like, a, yeah. like either like a skinny Rutger Hauer or like a, one of the bad seeds from the 80s, you know? Like a German, <laughs> German new wave, like, punk. He looks unreal. He does. Yeah, so this role, you know, this is uh, Bronson's uh, kind of signature role, Paul Kersey. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a legendary uh, character. It's uh, it's only one of the kind of Death Wish films that doesn't mention that he's an architect, which is interesting. Uh, he rigs up no. those booby traps with the skill of a man <laughs> yeah. who knows his way around a construction site, though, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's They're... a bit of a tip of the hat to his, his uh, background as an architect. I guess. I mean... I don't know. I took drafting in high school. And I don't remember ever being asked to uh, map out any like nail traps or anything like yeah. Like, I don't know how much crossover there is between those two worlds, but we'll we'll give him the benefit of the doubt on this one. Listen, we'll come in here anytime we like. You got that? take care of it but i'll need a few things first this is how it works i put a nail in the window right here anybody opening the window raises the nail (laughs) yeah he's and you know i like that he's not supposed to look young in this film this is uh what you had described early on as old exploitation right in full stride so this is yeah, that's right you know this is an old yeah. bronson but he can still run at full speed climb up and down fire escapes and, and beat the hell out of people right so definitely it's pretty it's pretty great i'll say one thing about paul kersey in this movie and it kind of connects to my big idea a little bit later so maybe i won't say too much about it but there, there really isn't much in in the way of character in this movie like he doesn't his past is mentioned very much in passing. It's like, did you have, did you have a wife? And he's like, yeah, but it was a while back. (laughs) And he just kind of blows by that in the conversation super fast. And there are no scenes that try to play on the previous two movies or anything like that. Like he's Paul Kersey in name in the credits, but there really isn't much identifiable 
even the architect thing, like they could have named him something else and made this movie and people wouldn't have, I don't think people would have thought, but we don't get a lot of motivation for him other than uh, it says he hates creeps at one point. Yeah. There's just the, the, it's just circumstance though that's, that's carried forward. And I guess the expectation is that everyone would have seen one and two, right? Yeah, but for like, sure. You know, like tragedy follows this guy wherever he goes, right? Yeah. Obviously. I love how, you know, the, the young love interest there tries to get him to open up a bit about yeah. why, why he's keeping her at a bit of arm's length, you know? <laughs> it's funny too, because I was watching this the other day. It's like, I don't know, Sunday night and, um, this played out and then I was watching, I was watching on, on online and it just happened that the next death wish started right up afterwards. Yeah, yeah. So I just like, I said, I'll, I'll watch the first five minutes. And I, watched yeah. the whole, I couldn't stop the whole yeah, thing. You can't st- no, for sure. Uh, and it's great. <laughs> death wish four is great. Oh yeah. But it they is. really, uh, they really dwell on that in death wish four. Like they try to show how Kersey doesn't like to get fully involved with a woman because I guess his past experiences have been relatively negative. So yeah, basically every woman he's ever met has been <laughs> killed horribly, <laughs> brutally murdered. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah. yeah, I'd written down that like, in trying to get a beat on on who this guy is he basically has two emotions in the movie he's either either kind of weary like he plays him he plays it as he's like tired sort of he can still do all that action but just sort of emotionally he gets a bunch of scenes where he just looks sort of world weary and then and then slightly amused he has lots of scenes where he's just a little bit bemused like he's got maybe just like a little smile and maybe it's almost a good time for him yeah you know like those, it is yeah, yeah those are basically his two emotions through the movie that's really good yeah like in the in the apartment block with all the old people he yeah. he's yeah, he's having some fun yeah he's just visiting with he's people like, his age yeah. for a change yeah. and he's his skills are on full display oh. to these people who are all sort of in awe you know yeah You Charlie's friend? Guy in 2C? Yes. What are you doing in there? I'm taking care of Charlie's things. That's what I'm doing here. Uh, Charlie don't need no help. He's dead. Just like you're going to be. I'm watching you. We got to talk about the mustache here. Yeah, we do. This, uh, and this, this is something a, to talk about. There is. I this agree. movie gives us something to talk about. Well, for sure. I'm interested to hear what you might have to say. I got some notes on this one. Okay. Well, first of all, the hair is shaggy. The hair is actually a return to like maybe not quite the mechanic length, but it's pretty close. It's pretty close. It's and feathered. Probably- yeah well they they got to do something with it there's so much of it man so yeah it's 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 kind of it's kind of feathered like he's you know he takes care with it but um the stash too is on the long side here Mm. like it's it's close to like we haven't talked about yet but it's close to something like breakout like it's also a throwback yeah. yeah it's pretty long for him and not only is it long, but they they highlight it. Like they put the spotlight on this mustache a couple of times. Like there are two close up kisses in this movie. Like both times where he leans in to, uh, to kiss his lady, yeah. and the way they frame those kisses, <laughs> it's like the the mustache is just front and center, kind of overlapping yeah. her side of the face. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's like and, it's like shamming yeah. her, shamming her face. <laughs> 
<laughs> and and there's other shots too, like the, that great shot where where the city's just burning, and, and you see his gun come out from around the corner first, and you're like, Kersey's arrived," but then soon after his gun the stash comes out around that corner and it like yeah so they don't uh they don't brush it under the rug in this movie his mustache they really utilize it all throughout i love yeah, it that's great well that's different than what i've noted too so what i saw was for the first time we see we see half and half bronson and only one year before we had evil that men do right bronson had a very dark stash and if you look back at the at the at the stills or whatever you'll see it's mostly dark hair and and the same with his hairdo he had some dark hair with a bit of gray highlights right but in death wish three we see an even split of gray and black and both his mustache and his hair and uh, you know he looks older in this film i I read the paul talbot book bronson's loose and he talks about the fact that uh, bronson uh looks pretty shabby (laughs) one of his comments is that the costuming in this in this film wasn't great and I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that, but yeah, neither do I. We'll get to that, but uh, I think the whole movie from the sets, the costumes, and the cinematography are, are they made, they're made to look kind of like a comic book, you know? Yeah. And this movie yeah. has tons of style. Like it's great lighting, great costumes. The gang members <laughs> with their weird painted unequal symbols on their heads, right? And their breakdancer <laughs> clothes. Yeah. yeah. And, and I also love how when louder, um, you know, when, when he goes to see Bronson in the neighborhood and he tries to get his attention by flashing the lights at him, yeah, they yeah. do keyboard stabs with the lights. He's like, damn, 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 damn. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah, yeah. You know, these touches, they, they can really <laughs> contribute to kind of a layered quality in this movie that I think it's one of the reasons it has a cult following, right? It's, it's one of these uh, films that have a lot more going on than just the violence in the story. There's a lot yeah, of really cool people stuff. were having a good people were having a good time at every level of the production, whether it's the music or the costuming or even the lighting. Like another one is how whenever anyone's out at night, they always have like just a massive floodlight right at their feet. You know, like they'll just be standing in a lot, but their shadow will be the size of the building behind them. Like <laughs> so there's just these floodlights all over at ground level in this neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, it looks amazing. Yeah. yeah, man, there's a lot of great fashion on display in this film. Just finishing off on yeah. that, you know, not least of which is that we get to see the the no-name uh, fleece top, the exercise top. Oh, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, man. I'm going to say, and they kind of build to it, too. Like, I noticed the fashion develops all through this movie. It does start out a little bit weak. In fact, I, I clocked this. Bronson spends the first 26 minutes of this movie in the same suit. So like the movie's only, I think, 93 minutes long or something. So he's practically a full third of the movie. He's in a suit and it's not a great suit. But then he's then you're just you're just getting tired of the suit and boom, they hit you with it. A gray sweatshirt, man. (laughs) And uh, it's not the best one. It's like it's thin. It's like a thin material. It's bordering on more like a long sleeve tee, which is something he wears all through these movies. He has a whole pile of long sleeve tees that he wears, which is a weird kind of a weird choice. We haven't seen him in that a lot, but I think he looks great in them. He does. Um, yeah. He looks super fit too. There's that one scene oh, where he's, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, he's got his jacket off. He's looking out the window yeah. and yeah, 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 for sure. And then, um, then they switch him to like a, a lighter suit and it's way better. It's almost like a 10 to midnight style suit leans into the 80s a little bit more it's like a really light gray um finally we get the full the real 
full-on gray sweatshirt man when he's when he's rigging that nail board <laughs> yeah. and then we get him we get how old is bronson in this movie how old 60, 60 65 Six, 64 64 yeah. and and shirtless post uh post coitus with uh with his uh lady friend the classic getting dressed uh scene yeah. shirtless 65 years old and he uh looks great he looks great like can you i don't I can't think of many other actors, certainly none today. <laughs> and back then there was nobody. No, it's a small club of guys that are going to pull that off. Well, Big Ray, it's aspirational, man. It might be reason enough to start dialing back on some of those spritzers you're uh, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> pounding for yeah. in the episode. Anyway, uh, Big Ray sent me a text there uh, earlier in the week talking about uh, a deep dive you've been doing into the music. So tell us about what you found, man. Yeah, the music in in this movie is, uh, it's it's a bit of an interesting story too. So like in the opening credits, it's credited once again to Jimmy Page. So Jimmy Page famously does the soundtrack to Death Wish 2. And that's a, an amazing soundtrack, amazing soundtrack. Um, and so you see his name in the opening credits, but a lot, right alongside that opening credit is a piece of music that doesn't sound anything <laughs> like Jimmy Page at all. Yes, yeah, so the, the opening credits, it almost has like a like a Lalo Schifrin vibe. It has it has the big soaring kind of love boat melody that's going. It's filled with this Casio clav sound and like the Miami sound machine bass. It's like super, yeah. super like electronic sounding. Um, it doesn't sound anything like Paige, but it still kicks all kinds of ass, this intro music. Like it is so good and propulsive. And again, the way we said it accompanies his entrance is amazing. If you go looking, you'll find out that, or even by the end of the movie, we get a guy named Mike Moran getting credited as a ranger and conductor. I'm not quite sure what he's conducting because it's a pretty electronic score like i don't think there's much uh orchestration but basically what it is is he was given the tapes for the death wish 2 soundtrack um and told that he could use them like but to construct something new out of them basically and so so there is some of the same tracks right out of death wish 2 they're reused in, di in different parts so for example um in death wish 2 you get a track called the chase and then in death wish 3 you get uh, a track called street life blues and it's the exact same song only in death wish 3 what he's done is he's taken the track from death wish 2 and used it as a kind of a bed track and then he's just layered a whole bunch of electronic sounds on top of it and the jimmy page stuff is almost kind of buried in the mix I did quite a bit of listening to both these soundtracks to spot if he had taken this central theme from Death Wish 2, and I don't think he did. There's this sort of na 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 that recurs that recurs all through Death Wish 3, and it's even I think in that opening track. And I think that's that seems to me to be Moran's own invention. So he definitely puts his own. Uh, spin on it and it's kind of easy for him to do because the death wish 2 soundtrack the tracks are so sparse it'll just be these like weird feedback guitars and sort of like dive bomb noises that jimmy page would do there isn't a lot going on very atmospheric so there's a lot of space for mike moran to come in and just add a whole bunch of keyboard on top but it's a really weird mix because the two styles don't feel like they would sit well together 
but the more I listened to it, the more I loved it. Like by the end, I actually really, really dig this soundtrack. Uh, it does come out on CD too at one point. Not at the time. There's no release at the time. But in the 90s, uh, one of those boutique labels does kind of hobble together all the tracks from the film. So you still get like the dialogue and stuff and they do put it out on CD. Well, I've got Death Wish 2 on vinyl. I bought it in the 90s, but I'm going to be looking for three now too, for sure. Uh, great tip. And thanks for uh, digging all that information up for us, Big Ray. Uh, time to dive into the substance, man. I'm going to tell a bit of a story here. And I think this was your suggestion at the end of the last episode. So I took it seriously. So in 1986, when I was in grade eight, my family (laughs) had just moved to the city. And I have to admit, adjusting to life here uh, wasn't easy as a 13 year old. So in retrospect, my, my school sucked. Uh, it really did. You know, I think back, I'm like, wow, that's, that was a, wasn't a good school. There was a lot of racial tension and conflicts between kind of the more well-to-do kids who generally were hockey players. And, and then the other kids like me who were from families with a little bit less money. And, uh, I didn't know much about that at the time, but I, I fell right in the middle of it that year and ended up getting into fights and my grades weren't great. And I found a, a bunch of ways of convincing my teachers that I was sick enough to let me go home early or to just uh, take days off. <laughs> so I remember very clearly one day arriving at school and playing goal in, uh, in the hallway while a friend of mine threw tennis balls at me. And uh, I didn't realize it, but I had stepped in dog shit on the way to school uh, that afternoon. And my clothes were totally covered in it from rolling around and, and you know, trying to be Patrick Waugh. So um, nothing better than being a scrawny teenager covered in, in uh, dog shit in a new school full of people who already hate you and uh, don't know you. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to the office and I convinced them to let me go home, uh, which turned out to be, uh, you know, one of the best moves I think I've ever made in my life, a big Ray. So both my parents had jobs at that point. So I didn't have uh, much to, to do when I got home enough to convince them to let me stay or anything. I just changed my clothes. I uh, went and sat in front of the television, but um, in the, in the eighties, uh, you know, late afternoon, mid afternoon television was garbage. So I started looking through my dad's beta tapes. We had a beta machine that he bought way back and he'd been given a whole bunch of these movies from his AA buddy, Terry, uh, who dubbed them off television. So, but Terry was this really cool older guy and he chain smoked cigars and he loved action movies. And just as an aside, he'd call my dad sometimes and, and uh, you just hear him like, Nick, uh, is your dad home? You know, he had this he's super, super deep, deep cigar smoking voice. And you're like, <laughs> <laughs> chain smoking. Uh, so he gave my dad Nightmare on Elm Street. He gave gave us the Remo Williams movies. Oh, we yeah. had the we had Rocky two and three. And uh, as my good luck would have it, I found Death Wish three in there. So that afternoon, I skipped school. I ate ice cream. And uh, I realized that it could be ultra cool to be a man in his 60s who beat the hell out of bad guys and killed killers. So this is the secret but obvious essence of older Bronson, that he was still hard as nails and convincing as an action star, even though he put on a few pounds, maybe he walked a bit funny, he had gray hair, was probably less than the 5'8", he had always been listed as early in his career. 
Um, as a kid, that captured my imagination. And Death Wish 3, though a deeply weird movie in some ways, was my gateway to a world of Bronson films that I still haven't exhausted after all these years. So his style, his inexplicable power in this film, it's almost magical when you think about it, especially as a kid. It was enough to complete my escape from the hard reality of my early teenage conflicts. And uh, that escape uh, to a place where there's stylish old men who are, you know, uh, tough as nails and um, meeting out rough justice to bullies and heartless bastards. <laughs> it still resonates with me after probably 10 viewings and 35 <laughs> years later, I, uh, oh, yeah. I have to say that uh, it was fun to revisit this movie uh, from that kind of a nostalgic angle and doing the podcast with you. I think it's, it's, it's made me think more carefully about how I got into this, right? Like, you and I've always had this sort of, uh, we, you know, we have other interests together, but, but one thing we've always had is even when we were 18 years old is talking about Bronson, you know? And so watching, rewatching death wish three, uh, for the first time after having started this podcast, I took it a little more seriously. And I thought way back, like, what was, what was my impression of this? And I realized now, you know, I think it, it was very much that this was a super cool old guy. And that that was really weird and really awesome and aspirational, right? And uh, I, you know, I remember at the time too thinking like how over the top it all was. And it was ridiculous that he was, you know, uh, basically fighting a like a military style war as one man against like this enormous gang of of uh, youth. But yeah, it's great. Do you think? Uh, did you think that at the time? I did. Yeah, because I don't. I don't ever remember thinking these movies were over the top. Like, I think I took them, I took them at face value. <laughs> I did, like, I, um, you know, thinking of the titles that I might list in a similar, you know, maybe not the exact same experience, but those really formative movies. Like, I watched, you know, like, Lone Wolf McQuaid with, uh, with Chuck Norris, like, a thousand <laughs> times, man, when he, like, tears out of the ground that uh, his truck's been buried and he cracks a beer and tears <laughs> tears out of the ground. That was the coolest thing. It may still be the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> but when I was 13, it certainly was. And I, But I never judged. I never thought those things were, like, yeah, like machine guns mounted on the front of a motorbike or whatever. I just took it, like, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I don't ever think I don't ever remember thinking any of it was over the top. I totally bought into it all as a kid. That's funny. I guess I was old enough, maybe. I don't know. I watched Death Wish 3 though, and I remember thinking, like, this is this is over the top. Like it's uh, it's a bit out of control, you know? Like I think the first two thirds of the movie are pretty are pretty plausible, but then it just gets like when the motorcycle gang shows up. Even yeah. as a kid, I was like, this is this is getting into Dukes what? of Hazard yeah. territory, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, but it's still fantastic. Yeah. And I mean, the great oh, part, is. the really the, the best part of it all, though, is that Bronson's, you know, 64, 65 years. He's a man of retirement age. He's just, for sure. <laughs> he rolls into New York City, just takes over, you know, it's fantastic. <laughs> so that's it for me, Big Ray. Yeah, how about you, buddy? Wow. Well, my big idea, it's a, like a little less personal. That's a great, that's an inspiring story, man. Uh, thanks. Like, <laughs> thanks for sharing that with us for sure. I will, uh, I'm going to, I'll try to find an opportunity to like make those kinds of connections myself, but uh, that was awesome. Uh, my, my big idea is not nearly so personal, but uh, it kind of connects to what I was saying before about how this bronze, this Kersey is kind of barely Kersey like he's kind of Kersey in name only and 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 that's because of the kind of movie that I see it being so like well 
Death Wish 3's aesthetic owes a lot to sort of the po- all the post-apocalyptic New York stuff that had been coming out for about five years, like, you know, Escape from New York, The Warriors. And I know one of your personal faves, 1990, The Bronx Warrior. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, well, well, and it also, so it's a lot like those movies, but it doesn't stray too far from its two two predecessors in terms of the plot or the theme. But I don't think it's really a ripoff or a retread of any of those movies. I think Death Wish 3 stands alone in, in the series as a kind of a classic man with no name style Western, just transposed into an urban setting. So we basically have a man with a shadowy past riding into a town besieged by a violent gang headed by a charismatic and remorseless leader. A local sheriff is powerless to do anything and he must resort to hiring the mysterious gunslinger as a last hope of establishing order in the town. You throw in a doomed romance. You got tons of scenes of people firing down into the street from windows. And we get this rifleman-esque focus on like one man's mastery of a very specific and unique firearm. And probably the only thing missing is something approximating a saloon scene. Like if we, if there would have been something like, even like the one in evil men, men do when he crushes the guy's package that we talked about at length. (laughs) Um, Like, yeah, that's probably the only Western moment that I think is missing from this movie. And, and it's made even more Western like by how basically the entire film takes place on a single, mostly super fake looking front like fake front street that that they built out of this hospital with like a ridiculous number of extras that are always parading by like just like what happened in a western all the time people cruising down the street yeah and the maybe the jail cells kind of like the traditional bar scene where it's just a bunch of men you know who are like roughing it up and bronson just (laughs) lays it down you know hammers that guy's head right through the bars (laughs) that's amazing (laughs) for busting the toilet (laughs) <laughs> yeah so um like i said kersey doesn't really have any connection to the man in death wish one apart from a casual mention of the events that passes by like with no emotional weight and i don't really see it as a liability like the disconnect but the, between this and the other movies like i think trying to mine his loss for any more emotional impact by the time of death wish three is probably like probably like dead on arrival <laughs> it's it's so it's probably a good movie that a good move that they didn't really try to do it so like at this point they've really just remade him as a drifter with a gun sort of what he is blown into town and blown out of town at the end and uh yeah like yeah i really feel it's basically like a western in in new york that's great yeah he rides off into the sunset you know he walks but yeah he's all he's off to the next uh borough to uh encounter another group of people that need his help (laughs) you know it's kind of, you're right. And and I love how like Ed Lauder's the cop character has followed his career a little bit. He's like, yeah, you're in, in Kansas city or something. Yeah. You, know? you went from Los Angeles. He really digs what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. He's a big yeah. fan of his, of his work, yeah. you know, but it's, inc- you're right. That's, that's very much like a Western where he's, uh, he's drifting from town to yeah. town. Just But you're right. Like, and like the whole set, you know, how in a Western movie they would build that one street, right? And the whole movie takes place. Yeah. And it's the same here. They built that one weird corner with this massive, like, garbage hill, like just out in the middle of the, <laughs> of the street, you know? And yeah. cars will roll yeah. up really slow. You can tell it's not connected to any road. 
yeah, it's just yeah. a lot of a lot of chaos. Lot of like people just, everyone's going in different directions, falling off buildings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's that's brilliant, Ray. That's a great take. You know, and um, I I purposely haven't done any real reading outside of, of Paul Talbot's yeah. book on this, but. I wonder if that's a, is if, is that a take? Not not that I read. I actually found I didn't find a ton on this movie. I think they made it so quickly that I don't know. It seemed even in Talbot's book, the chapter is short, shorter, shorter than some of the other chapters. There doesn't seem to be a ton of information about the production of Death Wish Three for some reason. Not that I could. Yeah, find. Yeah, that's interesting because I think, and you know, my sense of it nowadays is that it, it is the most popular one i mean one, one of, is conceived yeah. of as you know it's considered a great film but but three is is definitely the one i think that more people have have watched than than the others yeah maybe they've watched one i guess but i think three is the most popular somehow hi is this mr amiel yes yes hey it's your wife i think she needs your help she's sick or something who is this what do you mean? Hey, you be nice now. I think you better be here. At home? Who is this? You threw one of my boys out of your store last week. It's your wife. She's dying. That brings us to the action, Big Ray. And there's a lot of it. You know, I gotta admit, I I just thought I'd wing this. I didn't really write much down, but I, again, like, I did know I did note that there were 83 deaths in this film. So that's a fair fair body count. Did you count those yourself <laughs> or did you read that somewhere? No, oh, okay. I read that. Yeah, I read that. But uh my, my I have to say, you know, there's the the booby traps are yeah. incredible. So there's a satisfaction you get from from when that uh the one guy, the kind of breakdancer guy um tries to bust into that old couple's apartment yeah. again and he loses his two front teeth, you know? <laughs> <laughs> they don't show him without him though do they so. no and then later in the movie he's yeah. smiling and he's got he's got his teeth back so yeah <laughs> you know maybe he's got a good yeah. dental plan there in that gang i'm sure <laughs> fracker gives him a good get some good benefits <laughs> yeah i love that scene i love when uh i love when cuban or C- cuban is going after bronson <laughs> he chases him up onto the roof and bronson just messes him up with that pipe and <laughs> throws him off the top of the building yeah it's fantastic it's fantastic although once again much like the truck in um in assassination it's like the shortest fall like i'm not sure that the guy would even really i don't think he would die in real life <laughs> like you you you're led up to the edge of that building and you're like oh this guy's going off and then he throws him in the dummy fall it's like two it's only like two stories <laughs> Ray's feeling ripped off by yeah. the lack of a distance yeah, well, there. You yeah. know, you just watch, you watch Death Wish 4. We're going to see a guy go from way higher in that movie. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about 4 yeah, at some for point, sure. I hope, because uh, I really enjoyed yeah. 4, no, it's, too. It's I good, but I don't want to spoil what we have to say about that one. But one thing I noticed about the action in 3 is one thing Bronson absolutely kills is punching guys in the face. He punches three, he like, first of all, with like, 
he comes out and he belts the the breaking guy <laughs> and i think that's when the the kid gives him the thumbs up or whatever like the yeah, yeah like yeah. he comes out of nowhere just with a full head of steam and bronson looks so solid and super balanced and he puts his entire weight behind that just slams that guy in the face <laughs> and and, and he, yeah. he does that again in that fight in the basement when he takes on those three guys in the basement he just like <laughs> i don't know he's so he's so good at it those punches all come off as real and like i yeah. like all his weight he just looks like he would just decimate your face with those punches i i just yeah i loved it yeah there's lots of great scenes in this film you know just in terms of the action like the, the unbelievable scene when when uh fracker punches bronson's love interest and she blacks out and then wakes up and the car explodes like yeah it's unreal it's just un- <laughs> no. like i don't know if that would happen or the fact that the the, the, the terrible rape scene and, and the poor woman's gets her arm broken and then dies like the tragedy of this film is it's off the charts it's a really interesting choice they make with that too like it's and it's and it's really terrible and unsettling in its own way like i guess they were looking for a new spin right one and two obviously have the just straight ahead awful awful scenes in them but but this one it's mercifully much shorter yeah it only lasts for a few seconds and then you hear that she just gets her arm broken but then you go to the hospital and you find out that she's died so that's yeah that's terrible yeah although this isn't really action but one thing i noticed speaking of that is like the care one of the things that makes this kind of a cartoon movie like you would call it it's kind of like a comic book almost is people's response to the the various deaths in the movie like both both the people in mourning which is usually for five seconds and then and then also the people doing the killing and they're just just outrageous joy at what they've done (laughs) so like so um the the woman who gets killed her husband he's distraught in the scene where he finds out about it but it's only like two scenes later that he's talking to bronson and he's got he's all smiles he's got his pop gun like yeah why do i only get a zip gun and he's but he's all he's kind of happy about what's going on and like yeah it's yeah it's brutal and same with bronson when uh when the what's her name dies in the car explosion like even in the moment we see him it's just like <laughs> that's rough and then he kind of turns and cruises yeah, off i know yeah so people yeah it's like a total no reaction but then when they, when they think i think when they think they've killed the old guy with the guns in the back yeah. lane and he's not dead but they think they've killed him they're just celebrating like they won the super bowl <laughs> Like they're like these are like thirty-five year old men, some of them jumping up and down, high fiving. <laughs> like yeah, the response to the violence in the movie on the part of the other characters, I just found mind blowing <laughs> and really, really funny. We should talk for a minute about that gang too, because I I think it's fantastic. Like these are <laughs> yeah, clearly middle class people, you know. Like a lot of them look like they and got... middle aged. <laughs> yeah, they're like they're thirty, forty year old people. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> Who just are like they're dressed, they're not dressed shabby either. A lot of the time they look they look pretty good. Like they're living in this burned out squat <laughs> building. I don't know where they're sleeping, yeah. but they're yeah. definitely laundering their clothes and having a shower every day. You know? Yeah, for sure. They're re- <laughs> reapplying their that insignia on their <laughs> on their heads. Like it doesn't get smeared or anything. It's fresh every day. 
Yeah. They've all got they got like all got leather vests and stuff. I like, like how that. I like it's a mosaic too. Like it's a real multicultural group of people. <laughs> yeah, it's like, the future, man. Yeah. I think that's <laughs> there's something kind of fun about that. Yeah. When they call in reinforcements from their buddies from I guess a different neighborhood. He's back, man. He picked up some packages and he's back at the apartment. Move. Yeah, Manny Fraker here. Listen, I need some more guys, as many as you can spare me. I need to put some more heat in my area. Yeah, thanks. And everybody they've got is about like 65, 40 year old bikers. <laughs> And like, and they all come running in and everyone's so happy to see each other like a family reunion. They're just like chest bumping and like hugging and stuff. It's like, woo, we're going to burn this neighborhood down together. Yeah. There's like killing people with the chains and stuff. Riding in, yeah. you know, jumping well, over fences. That poor kid, they're like torturing that poor like, child. Like, what street. do they want? I wrote that in my notes. What does this gang want? <laughs> Just, just violence, just violence for its own yeah. sake, eh? Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're just they're just out to like random. <laughs> it's all random violence sure. too. It's like no one's no one's doing no. revenge or like plant planted something out. It's like hey, let's just go mess people the, up. Probably the funniest thing about this neighborhood is that other people can try to try to conduct their lives as normal. Like the fact that like when um. When the character does, like, she's about to get assaulted by that gang of guys. Like, the fact that she's gone to the grocery store at night. Alone. By by herself. When clear, daily, this town this town is completely overrun with people just being whipped with chains in the streets. Like, you would yeah. never leave your front door. But she just heads out to she, grab Yeah, she things. waits till, like, 8 o'clock yeah. at night. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. But, yeah. Hey, listen, you know, I want to talk a bit about about the uh some of the other actors and stuff. And this was a funny movie because, you know, there's a huge huge cast. It's a massive cast. But it's interesting because uh the connections to Bronson were actually fairly spare because a lot hmm. of the extra cast was from England and Bronson yes. didn't do a lot of films in England. And so I uh I I really just focused on some of the heavier hitters in this and I'll start with uh, with Fracker. So that's Gavin O'Harely, and he uh, is famous. And this blew my mind. I don't know how I missed this for years, but this is Chuck Cunningham, right? This is Richie Cunningham's older brother from the Happy Days. Oh man, do you rem- yeah. do you remember? Yes, yes, I do. Yeah, but I don't like. He would come home from wouldn't he come basketball. home from war? basketball yeah. i was thinking he was coming home from war did he go to war in happy days oh yeah someone did go to war in happy days eh did happy would the happy days run was it like Korea i think you know what it something? was i think know? he might have gone to war no he didn't he he this is the fascinating thing about it is that they never ever mentioned him again after the first season chuck i think was like in college or whatever and they just oh, never okay. mentioned him again yeah, and then well, later, he moved to England where he terrorized <laughs> yeah. old people. Yeah, it's a great, uh, it's a great like uh, pre-story for him, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. So that's that's Gavin o- O'Harely, uh, of course. Ed Lauder, we spoke of already. That's uh, Captain Schreiker. I guess he's captain or lieutenant. One time it seems he's the chief or something, but I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But yeah, it's he's in White Buffalo with Bronson, Breakheart Paths, and uh, Death Hunt. 
Alex Winter, obviously, is uh, everyone kind of talks about how Death Wish spawns the the careers of some important actor, right? So Jeff Goldblum mm-hmm. in the first one, and then Fishburne, yeah, Lawrence Fishburne, yeah, yeah. and uh, and then Alex Winter from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and, <laughs> and uh, I mean, I, I did a bit of re- reading on on Alex Winter, and he's had quite a career as a director and a writer too. So oh yeah, 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 he's he's kept really busy. Uh, Martin Balsam, I think, is the one person in this film who has probably the biggest stat sheet, and he plays Bennett. He's the old war veteran who's uh, obviously you know, yeah. he's got the two machine guns, and uh, his shop explodes, like I said, several <laughs> times. times. Yeah, it's unbelievable. When, when the when the uh, weird uh, New York City in the eighties um fire engine shows up and it's like from the 40s or something right yeah it's a british fire engine from like <laughs> 1945 oh. yeah it doesn't look like new york at all all those scenes it's so no, funny it's pretty funny yeah and, yeah. The, and then he, it drives through the explosion and explodes again while it's driving through which is pretty cool but you know he won an academy award in 1966 uh for a movie called the thousand clowns and then he was nominated for oh. an emmy in 77 for radon and and Tebe, oh, which also Bronson. starred Bronson. Yeah, that's a TV movie. We gotta we gotta watch that one at some point. There's yeah. a couple TV movies, eh? That we should oh, probably yeah. like there's that one from the from the 70s. Act of Vengeance. I was just gonna say, and then there's Act of yeah. Vengeance. And uh, you know, I, I can't remember Act of Vengeance at all. And I'm wondering if does he not have a mustache in Act of Vengeance? He doesn't, no, no. Incredible. So yeah. a mid to late 80s Bronson film, and he doesn't have a mustache. Yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to watch that at some point. That one's hard to come by. Yeah. As far as I know, you you can't buy it on, in any format at the moment. It's like maybe uh, you can you can hit the deep web or something and find it. <laughs> the other dark web. I have to yeah. consult some of our uh, our colleagues online. Uh, so uh, just a couple more things about Martin Balsam, and then I'll I'll uh, turn it over to you for Bronson's book corner. But uh, you know, he was also in the Stone Killer. Uh, with Bronson and and get this man he was in in both Cape Fears the original Cape Fear and the the remake with oh, wow. uh, De Niro he was in On the Waterfront he was in the original Twelve Angry Men which is amazing yeah he was also in in Psycho and he was in Delta Force yes yeah I yeah. do that last one there for you because I knew you'd, you'd love just all cool. right. So I'm interested to know, though, you know, there is a book associated with this character, these characters, but there's not like a Death Wish 3 book, and there was no um, book released with the canon. Didn't they try to do this, and it was too expensive? The the thing about the Death Wish movies is that there's the real um, tenuous relationship with the author of the original novel, Brian Garfield. So, yeah, and we'll talk about this more certainly when we do the other movies, but he writes the first movie and then they they make it and um, he's sort of none too pleased with it. And then they make Death Wish 2 and he hates it. And then he writes his own, he writes his own Death Wish 2, but it's not related called Death Sentence. But uh, the canon wanted to do a novelization of this one. But then they found out they didn't have the rights. Apparently only the original author had the rights to write sequel books. But the thing is, he always voiced his displeasure for all these subsequent movies. But at the same time, he was still in the mix for potentially writing them. Like he would submit script ideas and stuff. So yeah, so I don't know what to make of all that. It's It seemed like he still wanted to kind of have some involvement 
with the franchise but then also he was always trashing it and saying how terrible the movies were and stuff so yeah there is there is a no book but i, I thought j just instead for a second i talk a little bit about who does write it you're about to be backed into bronson's book corner so you get this guy named Don Jacoby, he does the first draft of the movie, uh, and you might know him from writing Blue Thunder, getting a Shider reference in there, and uh, and also Life Force, which is uh, another favorite of mine when I was young. It's a crazy, crazy horror, like a space vampire movie. Um, and they didn't like the first draft, so they got another guy, uh, Gail Morgan Hickman, and he, he had written the second Dirty Harry movie, and he went on to do a bunch of the Equalizer, um, and he'll go on to do Death Wish 4. But in the end, they, they, so I don't know, apparently Bronson didn't like the script. So they had all these other scripts written. But in the end, they went back and did the first script anyways. So in the end, the writer, it's credited to Michael Edmonds. But that's not a real person. Supposedly, Winner rewrote so much of the script that the original writer just took his name off it. And so they didn't put Michael Winner's name either. They just put it. So there's a fake... Uh, fake name for the writer of this movie as it's a bit of a Frankenstein between Winner and and uh, and Don Jacoby, I guess. It's pretty yeah. cool too because when four is made, the franchise had gotten it had gotten kind of like three is pretty over the top. It's great. Like we'll talk about mm -hmm. that in a minute, but but four is 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 high quality and J. Lee Thompson shows it back is. up, yeah. right? Oh yeah. It's yeah. awesome, man. Like yeah, I hadn't seen that since, wow, since maybe 1992 or something like that, you know, oh. and seeing it again, really, I was like, wow, this is a, this is great. It is. It is a good one. It's like the forgotten uh, death yeah, wish. I hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We'll have to look at it sooner rather than sure. later. Well, let's, uh, let's rock into the review roundup here, man. So I got a couple of reviews here. I don't know if you had any reviews. Oh, good. I'm glad you got some. The review roundup. So this is uh, this is going back to 2001. It's a perfect zero, it says, but it gives it a one out of ten. And this is by Eric Eric G sixty two three twenty eight. Another reviewer nailed it. This is the worst mainstream movie ever made. It makes Commando look deep, and Cobra look like a candidate for best picture. It takes the <laughs> Cobra. It takes the concept of mindless yeah. violence to the perfect limit of stupidity. The characters aren't one dimensional; they're zero dimensional. We care about them, good and bad alike, about as much as the aliens on the old Space Invaders video game. The good guys slash innocent victims serve mainly to be picked on by a gang of total scumbags that is until Bronson shows up. Then the aforementioned scumbags get to serve as targets as Charlie helped out by some of the victims mows them down with machine guns, automatics, 44 magnums, rocket launchers, booby traps, and anything else that happens to be handy. The scumbags have no motive or purpose at all. They just go around killing, raping, mugging, and looting for the fun of it. And as Charlie exterminates them by the dozen, <laughs> like roaches, new scumbags just keep popping up to be hosed down in turn. There's no plot, no acting, no moral of any kind, unlike the first one. Bronson 
Watson's not avenging a wife or a daughter or anything else. He's just on a one-man extermination mission against a bunch of utter and complete human waste products. There's no romance involvement, <laughs> a la Death Wish 2, no complexity, uh, no distraction of any kind. It's just an hour and a half of pure and utter senseless, <laughs> senseless death and mayhem. In short, this movie scores a perfect bullseye in the stupidity department. So, you know, it's all a matter what of... What is this uh, guy talking about, man? I know. Well, What's you know, so it's, funny is that, like, is he was that supposed to be a bad review? Yeah, that's because that thing. sounded amazing. That makes <laughs> me, I want to watch it again right now after listening to that guy's synopsis. That's how I felt. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's funny to capture that, like how people are so irate in their in their reviews. But, yeah. Uh, but they also explain how awesome the movie is yeah. without knowing it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like that guy's having a blast recounting all the amazing yeah. aspects of this film. He's he doesn't clearly watch it a few it. times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, dude, that gets us into the ratings and. Uh, you know, as usual, I'm excited to hear what you what you're gonna rate this one. Yeah. Um, I decided, you know, as as always, we try to. What are we rating it out of? We're gonna rate it out of, of decoy Cadillacs. <laughs> I love the scene when Brazil pays cash for that caddy and just parks it outside <laughs> building, and then you know waits for someone to, to break into it. It's great. So yeah, this is uh, how many decoy Cadillacs out of ten? Big. Rate? How many decoy Cadillacs? I'm giving this eight. Eight decoy Cadillacs out of wow. ten. That's, that's how respectable. That's, yeah, that's respectable. Um, for for me, it's it's right there near ten to midnight. In obviously like in in time, but in also in kind of the style, there are definitely differences between them. But I think people would think of them as being part of the same period. Um, I think we gave ten to midnight nines, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm like, I think 10 to midnight might just have a hair on this one uh, in my books, but yeah. uh, this is, it's up there. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a great movie. Um, yeah. I love it. I think that's a good, uh, it's a good rating. What do you think? This is a harder one for me, you know, like, because I, I want to give it a high mark, but I don't know if I'd say an eight. I, like, I feel like it's a, uh, it's just when the gang shows up on motorbikes at the end and it just goes into, it's just so ridiculous. You know, it's, I mean, it's so entertaining. It, it there wasn't real... enough guys. There weren't enough guys. <laughs> like, like he knew they were never going to be able to take Bronson out with another, without, an, without like armies worth of yeah, yeah. 65 year old bikers in world war one <laughs> German helmets. Yeah, it's pretty over the top. It's a little, it's a little bit over the top. But you're yeah. right; it's so enjoyable. It's yeah. really fun to watch. So, yeah, you know what though, man? I'm gonna give it a. I want to give it a seven. Yeah. But I I feel badly giving it a seven. Like I yeah. wish I could give it a seven point five, but you can't really cut a Cadillac no. in half, no, can you? You can't. No. Although I once lived with a guy who cut the top off his car, like the whole roof, like he turned it into a. Convertible? like a convertible but there was no roof to go back up so if it rained it just got soaked yeah yeah that doesn't count Are you kidding right that was you it was your roommate <laughs> anyway man you know what the hell with it i'm uh i'm gonna give it an eight too i'll stick with that i'll give it an okay. eight it's an eight Woo. it's a great movie i enjoyed it thoroughly eight it is all right big ray so i picked death wish three man what do you got coming up what do you what's next on, you did? on the docket Oh, this I did hum and haw, yeah? I'll tell you. But I did, uh, yeah. 
but one one thing I thought about is uh, it's been a while since I got to even do a real legit uh, Bronson's book corner. It's true. So I it's needed, been two I needed or three. To, yeah, I needed to pick something that there was a book. I gotta gotta get myself something to read here. Um, I think we're gonna we're not gonna stray too far in time. Not way 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 back. We're gonna go back a little bit. We're gonna swing back into the world of westerns a little bit. And I think we're going to take a look at Break Hard Pass. No way. Yeah. All right, man. Hey, that's great. <laughs> and when we're going to be doing, uh, it's like uh, another Ed, Ed Louder. Ed Louder, <laughs> two for, yeah. We'll have to, you know what? Let's pledge to do a, do like a, we do Bronson's entrance. We'll do an Ed Louder entrance on this one too. We'll do Louder's entrance too. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Well, is that, is Louder around? Maybe we could get him on the horn. No, he died in 2013. Yeah. Did he? Yeah, unfortunately. Oh man. So yeah. we'll make a toast. Make a toast to Ed Louder. Make a toast to Bronson. We will next make time. Make a toast to all the uh, the fallen, uh, the giggler. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's just distraught. He can't believe they killed the giggler. They killed the giggler, man. They killed the giggler. They had no business doing that. None. You know? It's yeah. a new man. The one from the jail. That wasn't smart. No, not too smart. Yeah, they killed the Kigler. I can't believe, like, the guy can't believe it. You'd yeah. think he would have a sense that their life was, you know, <laughs> some of them might. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a run high risk. Trouble. Yeah. They're high <laughs> risk youth. They're living yeah. their yeah, street involved youth. Yeah. <laughs> street involved 38 year olds they've all aged out of their classification they're no longer they, they no longer have yeah. access to a lot of the social services that are available to them that's why they're living in that building man <laughs> can't go uh they don't they don't classify at the rec center anymore yeah they're not they're, they're not able to get into the 29 and younger services that are out there <laughs> all right okay all right. man so hey everybody this is uh, hard times on film uh again uh my name's nick my name's ray and that's been a lot of fun talking about uh, death wish three until next time until everybody next time. take care of yourselves out there you know uh, enjoy the the summer's coming feels like it eh it is yeah absolutely yeah. get out your long sleeve tees <laughs> yeah throw on your jogging your jogging sweater you know absolutely get out there yeah, do some play some handball with your buddy. All right. <laughs> All right, everybody. Take care of yourselves. Hard times on Phil.
hiring extra help. People are starting to get a line up. He isn't finished. It isn't finished. It's like killing roaches. You have to kill them all, otherwise what's the point? <laughs> <laughs>